We are going through uh, a series called Roots. That's our theme for this year. And we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, hitting different topics that Jesus talked about. And we started in Matthew chapter six a couple weeks ago. And we started digging into it a little bit more last Sunday. And if you remember a couple weeks ago when my father preached, I uh, kind of teased a little bit that we're going to be talking about finances. And uh, actually glad to see that people showed up when we... <laughs> Because usually when you say you're going to talk about money, people say, I'll take the time off. To... But I, uh, I want to say a couple things as we get into this. We're going to spend a few weeks talking about uh, you and money as a Christian. Not as, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not looking to invest your money anywhere. It's not my job, not res- my responsibility, not my desire at all. You want to throw money at me. You want to give it to me, no strings attached. That's fine. I'll take it. But um, what's that? Oh, money? Oh, okay, yeah, I'll take Zach's, yeah. Um, wealthy Apple employee. But we're going to talk about money and the Christian life from a biblical perspective. I'm not here to guilt anybody. That's not my, not my job nor my desire. I'm not here to uh, beg for money. That's not my job and that's not my desire. What I want to do through this uh, probably four-week series is lay out for you what the Bible has to say about you and money as a Christian, not about you as a, as a family member or a parent or an employee. That's there. You can read enough books about that. What we're talking about is money and the Christian and money and the walk of faith that we are to live. It's not a threatening sermon. It's not our series. It's not a, uh, like I said, it's not a guilt you into anything series because that's truly not my desire. For those of you who have been here, as I've been the pastor uh, for over 20 years now, I think this is like the third time I've ever preached a series on money. That's just, a, and it's, and I don't come at it with that kind of a guilt thing. I don't pressure people to tithe. Um, we can have a debate about the, the New Testament teaching versus the Old Testament teaching. So we're not going to get into that stuff. What I want to do is give you biblical principles, what God has to say about how you can honor him and build his kingdom through your financial investment. So let's uh, turn to Matthew chapter six and let's stand together as we read verses one through four. Jesus is speaking to us. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Incredibly important. Let's stop for just a minute right there. Incredibly important to understand what he's saying there and how he's setting up this entire conversation. Be careful not to do anything for show. Be careful not to do anything to be applauded. Be careful not to do anything to be a show off or to show how many pe- show people how deeply religious and how deeply committed you are. In other words, if you need a pat on the back to validate your commitment to Jesus, then you're doing it the wrong way. That's what he's saying. Okay. It goes on in verse two. Uh, I'm sorry. At the end of it, otherwise you have no reward with your Father in heaven. Basically, because you get your reward right there. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret 
will reward you. You may be seated. I think it's very interesting that Jesus starts off in this new topic of teaching about how to live your faith. That's what he's talking about in this, in, in verse six, talking about how to live your faith. We talked about righteousness last week and what righteousness was, what righteousness is, and how our righteousness um, is supposed to be the righteousness of God and not the right, not our righteousness, not how good we can be. And I think it's significant that Jesus says, don't practice your righteousness openly and, and don't look for the applause. He talks about these people who used to walk down the street to the synagogue to give. Literally at that time, the wealthy people had, um, had a, an entourage as they walked to the, uh, to the temple to give. And they had people announcing them and they had inst uh, instruments playing for them. And it was a big deal and it was a big show when they walked to the temple and made their offering so that everybody could know I'm paying my time. Hey, you wanna know why you have a, a temple to go to Jerusalem? Uh, look at what I'm putting in the offering. Look at what I'm giving to the temple. Sometimes that's us, and not just with, with finances, Sometimes that's us as Christians, period. You want to know why you have what you have? You want to know why you have a church at all? You want to know why you have this? You want to know why? It's because of me. It's because of, when well, that's our attitude. Uh, we have to, everybody has to know that we are so devoted and so committed. Jesus said that's the wrong way to go about it. This is not a competition. It's not a contest. It's not a game to see who can finish first and see who can amass the most of anything. We're talking about living the life of faith that Jesus has called us to. And it's incredibly significant that the first thing he talks about is you and your money and the way you give. Notice he doesn't say anything about how much you give. Because these dudes that, that had entourages going out and instruments playing, they gave, they were bringing in bags full of money. So they were giving up, but Jesus doesn't mention the amount. He doesn't talk about how much they gave. He talked about the attitude with which they were giving their, their gift. Now, I think this whole opening begs the question, how do we show our righteousness, our, our righteous living in visible, practical ways without show, be, being showy, without showing off, without drawing attention to ourselves? Because that's what it's all about. Remember, remember what Jesus said, we go back to this verse a lot. Remember what Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all people to me. Not if you are lifted up, not if people see how, how much you give and, and how much you do. No, it's me. It's me. If, if I am lifted up, if Jesus is lifted up before the world, he will draw all people to him. Now, Jesus had much to say, not just in this passage, but throughout the Bible. There is, there is much to say about you and your finances, you and money and the kingdom of God. I also want to say this, let's not be naive. Money is a requirement for living in society today, isn't it? You're not going to make it in society. You're not going to, you can't pay your rent or your mortgage. You're going to be 
living on the street. You're not going to be able to uh, buy food. I mean, there's really nothing you can you can't you can't function in American society without money. So let's not let's let's not be naive and think that we can. By the same token, let's not be naive Christians. The church can't function without finances. You see, just like your home can't, uh, can't meet its responsibilities and its needs and its goals without you working and doing what you want and, and maybe as a married couple working together, combining your incomes, uh, which used to be just normal. Nowadays, it seems to be um, a little less normal. Uh, to, to accomplish what you're wanting to accomplish, same way in the church. We can't, we have bills to pay. So when we talk about money and, and, and people get upset and people get turned off, I think that's a little bit naive. And I'll ma- I can make a case that that's a little bit selfish as well. But money isn't the problem. Money is not the problem. When we talk about this issue, when we talk about troubles that come up, when we talk about discord, or we talk about friction in a church or in a home about money, money isn't the problem. Our attitude about money is the problem. Our priorities with money is the problem. Now, I mean, when you think about it, we, we are in a really... This isn't politics. This is just talking normally. We are in a very difficult time financially in our country, correct? Would everybody agree with that? How many of you have been to the gas station in the last week? Oh, it's, it's down 70 cents. Yeah, but I'm almost paying four bucks a gallon still for crying out loud, right? Yeah. Jess, how, how, what's, the gas, what's the latest on gas? Jess, yes. I mean, come on. Have you tried to buy a steak in the rest in the in the store lately? Holy cow, literally holy cow. It's it must that's like an offering to God bringing that thing in. Lord above. I I no lie, I because I, I feed an army at my house. There were um, roasts on sale at at uh, our local big Y a little while back, and I saw them, and I usually just kind of walk by and dream, you know, because like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? Well, I saw it, and I always look for the yellow tag because that means it's been marked down. These roasts were marked down to like $10.50 for the whole thing. I said, I can do that. And then I looked at what they were marked down from, $28. Like, oh, wow, geez, that's expensive. And, and if we're to believe the forecasting economists, it's only going to get worse as time goes on, right? It's, it's, we're in a difficult time right now. Financially speaking, money is tight. I don't, now I won't ask for any answer on this question, but for those of you who have a 401k, how many of you are, it, it's just bleeding, right? It's on life support right now. I, honestly, when our, when our report comes in for our investment, I just throw it away or I just put it somewhere. I, I don't open it anymore. It's like, I don't want to look at that. I looked at it one time. It's like, wow, wow, I I didn't have a fortune, but I just lost one. You can, uh, the money that we have, the money you have in your wallet or your purse or whatever you carry, wherever you carry it, you know, that's just symbolic. That paper only has the value that our government ascribes to it. And that value can be gone overnight. 
That value can be gone overnight. So we put so much emphasis on something that is so fleeting and something, the value of which we really have no control over. Yet it's Jesus knew that money was going to be and is a huge issue for human beings. And I'm going to acknowledge the fact that there's a good reason why. You have, a, you have a home to pay for. You need money, as we said. You have a car to pay for. You need money. You, have, you want to eat. You need money. Everything requires money. So it is an important topic for us as human beings. But as Christians, as I'm going to lay out this morning in the next few weeks, money is also a big issue for us as Christians. And it should be. It should be something that we think about. It should be something we pray about. It should be something that we talk about in our homes. It should be something that we consider. And it should be something that we consider with a spiritual aspect and through a biblical lens. Because money is something that the Bible talks about quite a bit. Here's some biblical facts about humans and money. Over 2,300 verses in the Bible, 2,300 verses in the Bible refer in some way to money, whether it's direct teaching about how to use money, how to give money uh, in the Old Testament, what you were to, if you were going to abide by <laughs> the Mosaic law, <clears throat> what you were supposed to give to the temple. In the New Testament, uh, how <laughs> in the New Testament, it's not 10%. The New Testament it's all God's. He has given it to you uh, to use. Okay, we see that in the, talent, in, the, in the parable of the talents and the servants uh, all over the place. But there's over 2,300 verses that talk about money, whether it's used as an illustration or a direct teaching about money. Here's another thing I'm going to say. God is not against being rich. Right? God is not against being rich. God does not. We, we've, we here in America, it's so crazy. We, we are like a free market economy, right? And you're supposed to be able to rugged individualism in America, and you're supposed to be able to go to work, and, and you, know, you, you, can, you, can make your, you can make your way in America. That's why, that's why the world is coming to America, by the way. That's why they always have, because America, you can, you can work your way up from the bottom to the top. Now that people have more money than we think they deserve, we get upset about it. I wonder how you'd feel if you owned Apple. <laughs> I wonder how you'd feel if you invented Microsoft. You want everybody saying you need to give 90% of your... See, when it comes to money, we just have problems. We just have issues. But God is not against being rich. Hey, Abraham and Job, they were like the wealthiest men of their time. And Job was an amazing servant of God. Abraham, God said, the, the, entire, the entire world will be blessed because of you. So two men that play, played great roles in the history of the Bible and the history of God's movement with humanity were the wealthiest men of their times. And you know what? They pale in comparison to a guy named Solomon. Remember King Solomon? 
Do you know what Solomon's net worth would be today translated into today's money? 2.2 trillion dollars. 2.2 trillion dollars. He would bring in over 50 million dollars a year alone in just gold from the gold mines. Solomon and and people just would just continue giving Solomon money. And Solomon is the author of a couple books of the Bible. So God isn't against you being rich. Don't think that uh, all God wants is your money and and the representation of of God wanting your money is a pastor preaching about it. That's not what it's about. Listen, I applaud people who who can go out and and start a business and go out and and work themselves into a position where they have the money to to do what they they want with. That's not my concern. What you have and, and how well you do financially and that's, be- that's between you and your family and between you and God. What I'm here to talk about is your attitude towards money, spiritually speaking. And yes, I'll use this word, your responsibility to the kingdom of God financially. Something that needs to be clarified here because of wrong teaching in the church community throughout the country and throughout the world is this. Money doesn't mean blessed. Just because somebody has a lot of money doesn't mean they're blessed. There are drug dealers in our area that are, we- are wealthy beyond belief. It always amazes me when you see a big drug bust, how much, you know, I see that they take pictures of the, of the drugs, they take pictures of the weapons. It always amazes me how much cash this, this dude is carrying in his pocket. I remember one time some guy had 60 grand in his pocket. 60,000 in your pocket? How, how big are your pants? No wonder you're wearing baggy pants. 60 grand, dude, what the heck? So having money doesn't mean you're blessed, but it can be a blessing. I believe if money is used properly by a Christian, and I believe the way you handle your household finances and the priorities you put, I believe that's all kingdom living. The Bible talks about parents taking care of their families. The Bible says, pay what you owe. The Bible says, work for a living. In fact, the Bible says a person who won't work shouldn't eat. That's a tough one. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, the one who loves silver is never satisfied with silver. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. This too is futile. I remember, I, I believe it was uh, uh, Hugh, Howard Hughes who was constantly trying to build his fortune. And somebody asked him a question, how much is enough? And he said, just a little more. That's the problem with money being, having such a, a priority in your life and seeing money as the goal instead of a tool to use. The next point I'll, thing I'll point out is this. Money can be an idol. A really big idol. Money can be an idol in your life. You can get to the place where you serve money. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, No man can serve two masters since he, either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and 
and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, God's not against you having money. In fact, you need to have money. He says you have to add money. In fact, he says, I give you the strength to work so that you can earn a living so that you could take care of your family. And we're not going to talk about earning a living wage. That's all something that, you know, we as a, as a country need to take care of and come to a, a decision about that as a nation. But for your family, I'll tell you this. If you're not, I'll just be honest. I'll tell you what my dad told me and what, I'm te- what I teach my kids. If you're not happy with what you make, either go ask for a raise or find a job that pays better. It's that simple. If you don't want to run up $200,000 in school debt, college, college loan debt, Go get a truck driver's license. They're paying about 100 grand a year right now. Talk to Melvin. Melvin's always got people that are hiring, people that are looking to train um, people in the trades. You can make a lot of cash in the trades. Would not be saddled with a lot of debt. <clears throat> Next thing is money is this. Money can be a trap that spins you in a vicious cycle. Money can be a real trap, especially if you get yourself overextended. If you get yourself, if, if you buy too much house. I, I don't know about you, but um, we, we bought our home right at the beginning of COVID when the housing market was just way down uh, and, mortgage, and, and mortgage rates were way down. I think mine is like 3.7, right? We got a really low mortgage rate. And my mortgage company keeps calling and keeps sending emails. Hey, we can, we can refinance you and give you a better rate. You're going to offer me 7.9. How is that better? And you want me to take out more money against my home at a higher interest rate. That's just, I'm, you know, listen, I never went to college for finances, but to me, that just seems stupid. Okay? Or, hey, hey, it's a great time to sell your home. Yeah, my home, just like yours, my home has gained like $130,000 in value on paper, which is probably going to go away in the next year and a half through the pandemic. So if I sell it to make that extra money, guess what's going to happen? I have to go buy a home that's going to, be, that's going to have gained $130,000 in value. So I'm, it's a lose-lose for me. If that's where I'm fine, if, I, if that's where my concern is and that's where my worries are and that's where my focus is, then money has become a trap for me that is just spinning me in a vicious cycle. I'm not saying we don't have to have a handle on money. I'm not saying we don't have to be wise with our money. In fact, I'm saying we do need to be wise with our money. Kingdom of God wise with our money. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 says, don't wear yourself out to get rich because you know better. Stop. As soon as your eyes fly to it, it disappears. For it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky. That sounds like you just spent a week at the Big E. (laughs) Right? Get those, uh, are you looking forward to a cream puff this year at the Big E? Isn't that just like an eclair? Cream puff. Anyway, Big E will take your money. 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the face, faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now we're getting a little down and dirty here, right? Paul says the love of money is the, not money is the root of all evil, the love of money is the root of all evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away 
from the faith. That's a heavy statement right there. There are people who have walked away from the kingdom of God, walked away from serving the kingdom of God, walked away from church, walked away from uh, serving God with their lives and the life of faith, all, in the pursu- all for the pursuit of money. I'm not against working overtime. I'm not against working hard. I'm not against working. Listen, I work two jobs. Um, I, I, I raised my uh, adult children to do what it takes to pay the bills. But I also raised them to have the priority of church and God above everything. If you're working, if you're, if you're working so much, listen, if double time or double time and a half or time and a half is the reason that you work on Sunday and don't go to church, money is an idol for you. Because the Bible says you need to be in church. We need to not forsake the gathering together of ourselves. And let me tell you, the more you get into the habit of skipping church, the more easy it is to continue to skip church. You have no idea how many people write to me that have been in church here and and have stopped coming to church and say, you know, Pastor John, I'd love to come back, but I'm afraid that everybody's going to say, where have you been? Now, now you're compounding it. Okay. Now you're compounding the problem and now you're ascribing the problem to other people that you've created for yourself. Don't let money and the love of money and the pursuit of money get you trapped in a cycle that's going to take you away from your faith. And, and the last part, that last point in this is you can be content without a lot of money, without money, period, but you can be content without money. You Christians, we have to find out. We have to dig in and find out how to be content without money. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said this. Listen to this last part. For he himself has said this. I will never leave you or forsake you. Keep yourself free from the love of money. Make sure God is number one. I will be your contentment. I will be your satisfaction. If you will live your life my way, including your finances. Finances are usually an off, off, uh, off, hands-off topic for many Christians. You say, nobody's going to tell me how to take care of my money. You're going to come pay my bills, pastor? Nope. Nope. Don't look at me. I'm not going to pay your bills. Then what are you going to talk to me about money for? Because God talks to me about, God tells me to talk to you about money. And God talks to you about money. So you can get all uptight and all, get yourself all in a twist. But talk to God about it. Don't blame me. Right? Don't blame anybody else. What's cool about what we're going to be looking at and what the Bible teaches is that God says, if you will have my perspective on your finances, if you will have my perspective on money, and you will have a kingdom view of the reason why you have money, I will, and and you will act on that and give and support the ministry that you've been called to be a part of, then I will bless you. I'll bless you beyond belief. In Malachi, he says, if you bring your offerings and tithes into into the church, then I will open up the windows of heaven, as King James says, and I'll pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain. That doesn't mean you're gonna be wealthy. That means that there's gonna be purpose and meaning to your life. May, may mean that you got some extra cash in your pocket. 
may, I'm, hey, I'm not, I'm not God, I'm not gonna decide how he blesses you. But I'll tell you what, you will live in God's blessing and what we wanna say today, we, we, you'll live in God's favor if you will handle your finances his way and not your own. <clears throat> With all that God's word has to say and everything that Jesus taught about money, whether it's direct teaching or whether it's using money as an illustration as he did so many times in the parables, a few things should be very important to us as followers. And I, I believe as we go into this series, these things need to be important to us. Whether you like it or not, these things need to be important. First one is this, you need to really want solid biblical teaching about money. I believe as, as the spiritual leader of this church, I believe that each and every one of you, it's a, it should be a priority in your life, that you have solid biblical teaching and understanding about the role money plays in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. You need to have a clear understanding on money and your faith and how the two are interwoven together. I believe you need to have a proper understanding and our church needs to have a proper understanding of the role money should play in our walk of faith. Listen, what happens in many churches is money is tight. Money is tight for us. The summer, I mean, just like it's tight for you in your home, it's tight for the church. There's no doubt about it. Money, money is tight. And what happens is the squeakiest wheel gets the most grease and the most attention. So we begin to panic and we begin, we begin to get overwhelmed and worry about finances. Listen, can I just, before you say Pastor John is all about our money, all Pastor John wants is our money. First of all, that's not true. If you, like I said, if you talk to, talk to somebody who's been here in the church more than a week or more than a, more than a year, I should say, and they'll tell you that that's not my priority here. I don't, I don't work here for the glorious salary and great benefits. I, and that's not a knock on the church, that's just the truth, okay? I will say this. We need to have a proper understanding of money because this is God's church. It's not mine. It's not yours. This is God's church. He's going to bless us his way. He's going to lead people. If, if, we, if there are people that are supposed to be here, Christians who need to get involved in ministry that need to be here, God will lead them here. God motivates you to talk to your friends and family and invite them to church and tell them, and, and we grow the church for the kingdom and glory of God. But this is God's church. Listen, I can beg, I, I can do what they used to, used to do. I remember when I was a kid, there were, there were churches and pastors that used to lock the doors and have their ushers stand at the door and say, we're not leaving until we collect this much money. Listen, I, and I, sorry, that's just not the way we're gonna do it here. All right, first of all, I value life. Um, secondly, if you're gonna give just so you can get out the door, then you're not giving for a kingdom purpose. You might as well just buy a ticket to go watch a movie. I mean, is it, what, what my desire is, is that we have a proper perspective on money. I'm not gonna talk about the evils of spending your money on certain things. People, especially Baptist pastors, really wanna talk about the evils of gambling, right? Well, listen, even though I only have a golf, golf ball sized stomach now, every once in a while, 
I'll eat a Reese's peanut butter cup. That's, a, that's there is zero health value <laughs> in a Reese's peanut butter cup. Tastes good, makes me happy for a little bit, but there's zero value. So I've basically wasted a dollar. So I can make the argument, I, I spent a dollar on a Reese's peanut butter cup that's gonna be gone in an instant. If you've ever seen me eat a peanut butter cup. <laughs> Especially the white chocolate peanut butter cups. Now we're talking. Why is it going to be white, Autumn, right? Why is it going to be white? That's a family joke. Or I could spend a dollar. <laughs> Sorry, Mo. <laughs> or I could spend a dollar on a scratch ticket where I have the opportunity to win $100,000. You see, my point is, don't go, I'm not saying go out and buy a scratch ticket. Oh, by the way, I did go to one pastor's fellowship with, with my father's contemporaries, pastors that pastored in the same time as my dad. And I, I'm a sarcastic jokester sometime, and I knew these guys. We were all out to lunch after the pastor's fellowship. And I said, guys, I've got, I, I have a great fundraiser for the church. It's, it's a can't miss situation. And I believe it, it has the potential to bring in hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars into the church. Forks dropped. Like, what is it? Here's this new young guy, this young buck. He's got this, he's discovered something special. I said, and I, wow, no wonder I didn't ask to preach in their churches. I said, it's called Scratch Ticket Sunday. Those old enough, man, they wet their depends. I'm telling you. <laughs> what? I said, yeah, man. Just tell everybody to go out and buy 20 or $30 worth of scratch tickets. And when we pass the offering plate, you can just drop them in. And then afterwards, we can sit around and eat pizza and drink Pepsi and scratch the tickets off and see how much the church profited. Nobody wanted to eat lunch with me after that. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I... I, I we tell our deacons one time in a meeting when the casino went up, I said, I think one of these Sundays we need to take the offering and play it on red. Right? Didn't get a great response there either. <laughs> They're jokes. They're jokes, folks. My point is this. I can come up here and rail on wasting money on, on frivolous things, but I do the same thing. I know... I'm a Dunkin' Donuts coffee guy to the core. If I'm gonna go out, I'll buy a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. But let me tell you, let me be honest. They're failing me now. The coffee just, not, just isn't what it was, right? But you know what? I still go buy it. And I dump half of it out. So I waste money. My point is this. We don't need to worry about, we, we don't need to rail on, on ways that we spend money that, that other people may not like. What we need to do is make sure that we find a biblical, godly perspective on us and our finances in the kingdom of God. I think we also should understand what God promises us if we invest wisely in his kingdom work. So we're going to cover that. What God promises us if we invest wisely in his kingdom work. And I believe we need to have a, a proper heart perspective and spiritual relationship with money. Now, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to give you investment advice. That's not my point. The only investment advice I'll give you is what the Bible says to invest in the kingdom of God. That's it. 
with all this in mind, at the very beginning of here, of this passage, what is it that Jesus teaches us about godly giving, laying a foundation as we get into next week and talking more about this? Here are a few ideas to start with that I, that I observe from this, these quick four verses from Jesus teaching of money. The first thing is this, and this is a big one. It is simply assumed by Jesus that you will give financially to support the kingdom work. It's just assumed. He says, when you give, not if you give, not if you decide that it's worth your time or investment. He says, when you give. Listen, if you are holding back giving to the church to spite me or to spite someone else, you're not hurting me. You're not hurting anybody else. I've already determined in my life that I will take care of my family. If that means I have to work round the clock seven days a week to support my family, that's what I'll do. Not gonna hurt me. Certainly not gonna rob my blessings or, or hinder my relationship with Jesus Christ. You know who you hurt when you withhold your investments to the kingdom of God? You. And if you're a parent or a spouse, you hurt your family because you are taking them out from under the, the covering blessing of God in finances. God says, I will bless you if you invest in the kingdom. He just simply assumes that any right-thinking Christian wants to live in his blessing. Second thing is that you'll have an attitude of gratitude. I think that's where it all really begins, in the attitude. Do you give out of duty or do you give out of passion? Are you so thankful for what God has done for you and where he has brought you? I'll be honest, I never ever in my life dreamed that I could buy my family a home. I never dreamed I would ever be a homeowner. I'm just not in the profession that makes the kind of money that I thought would would bring me to a place, especially in, my, in, in this town. Even taking on second jobs and my wife, I just never thought I'd be there. Yet I am. I own a nice home. It's, it's nice for me. It, it meets my family's needs. I'm thankful for it. I have a pool in the backyard to go on vacation. I like, I like my home. I love my home. And it's an incredible blessing for me. And I want to keep my home. I want to continue to give, to, to give my family a place to live and put food on the table. So my wife and I, we give. And we, we, we continue to give. And, and there's a special need in the church right now. And we gave to that. And, and it, it's not, to, like I said, this isn't to lift us up. I'm just telling you that I'm not just preaching this. I'm living it. Okay? We give to support the kingdom. We give to support our church. Why? Because I want to continue to live in God's blessing. I want to, so if you're holding back, if you're not giving because you don't agree with everything we do, listen, I don't agree with everything we do at the church. And I'm the pastor. I would have much rather, no, I'm not, I, we had an ice cream social last night. The ice cream was good. I would have just wanted to have more. But, my stomach is small, tiny. But if you're holding back because you're going to teach somebody a lesson, the only person you're harming is you. 
The only person you're robbing of a blessing is you. Because this is God's church and God's gonna meet our needs. God's gonna provide. I fully believe that. I fully believe that. That's why I, I don't, you can, ask, uh, you can ask our finance team. Cliff, Mary, Drew is in Italy learning how to cook spaghetti, I guess. I don't know. He's learning new, learning new, new recipes in Italy, him and his wife. Uh, hello, Drew and Aylin, if you're watching. Buongiorno. Is that it? Bon appetit. That's my favorite Italian phrase. <clears throat> you ask them. They, and I'm, I'll just be honest with them. Sometimes the, the messages that come to me are, are dire and desperate. Are my responses dire and desperate? Like, okay, do what you need to do. We'll take care of it, right? We'll take care. God will take care of us. God will take care of us. God will meet. God will provide. And by the way, New Life Church doesn't exist simply to keep this building open. If God wants us to sell this property and move somewhere else, guess what we'll do? I, there's a great case that could be made for us to move into Springfield. I've, I've talked, Melvin and I've talked about that quite a bit. Great case to be made for us to move our ministry into Springfield. But this is what God has given to us and this is what God has provide for, provided for us and God is maintaining this ministry here. My point is this, you're not harming anybody but yourself and your family if you're holding back your financial support of the kingdom of God to teach other people a lesson. In fact, Jesus says that we should have, we should give with a heart of generosity. We should be generous people. Christians should be the most generous people on the planet. We've been given so much and we're promised that there will be a return on our, invest, on our investment. So we should be giving, it's the giving living cycle. We give, the, the, the giving living, we give to get so that we can give more, so that we can get more, so that we can give more. So it's just back and forth, back and forth. I believe that we're gonna find out that Jesus wants us to give on purpose for a purpose. I know there are pastors that say, you just put the money in the plate and, we'll and, 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 I'll, and I'll spend it, I'll take care of it. It's not the way we do it here. You wanna know what, what we're spending money on? You wanna know where the finances are, where they're going? Um, we're not gonna show you who gives what, but if you're a, a voting member of this church, you have every right to know where we spend the money. And once a year, we lay out the budget. You have every right to vote on what we spend our money on and what our goals are. We're getting ready to put up a, um, there's a solar array that's gonna hopefully be up before the end of the year. Jonathan Rowe, uh, Ra uh, Rowe has put, done a lot of work getting that up and we brought it to the church and that's gonna bring in some finances for us as well as giving us a brand new parking lot here before the end of the year. That's gonna be, a, you're gonna be able to park underneath a canopy, solar canopy, okay? We voted on that, we talked about that because that's a big deal, it's a big deal. And there are other things that we're, uh, that's your right as a church to know. We're totally open about that. And quite frankly, if I, if I wasn't required by the constitution to lead those meetings, I'd rather be out of them because I'll just, I'll tell you what, I'll just give and you can, you can take care of the money because I don't really, I, I have to care and I, make, I know that sounds terrible, but it's not the priority for me. I have people for that. Sorry, Mary Cliff. It was a joke, it's a joke. And lastly, that you'll practice humility as you give. Practice humility. Listen, we don't need to wave a $100 bill in the air as we put it in the offering plate. 
In fact, I love the fact that we that that most of our giving is online. What is it, Mary? It's over over 50, like close to 75 percent, right? Over, but higher than that, most of our giving is done online, right? Most of our giving is done through the giving app. So you you can't wave a hundred dollar bill around. I mean, you can, but you can give without anybody knowing. Cliff Cliff Nurse is the only man, only person in this church that knows who gives what, and he he has to for for legal reasons. But we should give and support the kingdom of God with humility. I hope you understand what this all is coming to is this. We need to see money as a tool to help us build the kingdom of God. Not the end all be all, but something God has blessed us with to serve his kingdom. That's what it's about. It's not about making me rich. In fact, for those of you who don't know, there's a, there's a cap on how much I can make. We did this uh, over, over 10 years ago, I think, in a, in a church business meeting. There's a cap on how much I can make. My salary and any, the salary of any pastor on staff at this church goes according to the public school teacher's salary scale in East Longmeadow. So I'm not gonna be making six figures here. I'm not gonna be getting rich working here. I'm gonna live, my, my family's gonna live on what, a, te- what a, a public school teacher lives on once we get to that point where the church can afford it. That's what I chose to do. And I know a lot of pastors make a lot of arguments and a lot of churches wanna pay them more. Hey, listen, one of the commandments to me as a pastor is not to be a greedy person. And there's no way that I should be the highest paid person in my church. Now, I don't ascribe to, we, keep, we pay the pastor dirt so we keep him humble. That's, that's ridiculous. A, a man, a, a, a servant should be paid uh, a workman is worthy of his, his wage. But this is not a place to get rich. Not a place to get wealthy. It's not what it's for. This is a place where we work to build the kingdom of God. Where we work to learn about our faith and about our, the practicing of our faith and how we can be better followers of Jesus Christ. I hope that this laid out for you an understanding of where we're going with this. It's not about, it's not about guilting you into giving. It's not about make, t- trying to make this church rich or building a new building. Listen, I hope we, personally, I hope we never have to go through a building project in this church. I hope we never, they're, the, they're like the worst thing to ever go through as a, as a pastor and as a church. You just, it just causes problems. Man, I just wanna see us build the kingdom of God. I just wanna see you understand that money is not a curse and money is not a God. It's a blessing and a tool. And the Bible talks about it a lot to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house today. Thank you for so much for the privilege of, of uh, digging into your word. Lord, I pray that as we spend our time going into finances and talking about finances and your kingdom, that we'll have an understanding of it, Lord, that we'll truly understand and have your perspective on it. God bless us as we go from this place today. Bless what's gonna be continuing to go on throughout the day, the youth group tonight and all. And God, may we honor you in all things. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for those who are here today. Bless us as we go. In your name we pray, amen.